0: Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program and thanks for tuning in today. You're gonna be excited because we have answers to your questions. It's Ask the Guys today on the Real Estate Guys radio program.
1: Hi, this is Russell Gray, co-host of the Real Estate Guys radio show. I encourage you to join me on June 15th in Newport Beach, California for the whole loan training seminar with Michael Solis. It's no secret there's a lot of bad mortgages out there. What's a lot less known is how you can make big money buying and selling these distressed notes. Mike's been in the business for many years. He'll be sharing his insider tips and tricks, plus telling you where you can go to find the deals. I'll be there. I hope you are, too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and look under Events for the Whole Loan Training Seminar. Be sure to use the special discount code you'll find there exclusively for Real Estate Guys listeners. Go to realestateguysradio.com and look under events or send your email to wltdiscount at realestateguysradio.com. That's
0: wltdiscount at realestateguysradio.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. It is heating up, and in the studio, our co-host financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. And the man we call the godfather of real estate, been investing in seven different decades, Bob Helms. Hey, Robert. Russ, thanks for having me. It's going to be a great show. We've got lots of interesting questions. We're not going to get to them all, unfortunately, but that doesn't mean we don't want more. Uh, We love your questions, we love to do our best to answer them, and uh, the volume of questions uh, like the volume of listeners uh, keeps going. We just hit a record month in downloads. We did. We went
1: over 80,000 downloads in the month of May. So in the merry, merry month of May, we had 80,000 people out there Checking out the Real Estate Guys podcast. So if
0: you like it, why don't
1: you visit our iTunes page and uh, tell us all about it. We uh, really appreciate
0: that. All right. So uh, good stuff there. And here's how today works. We are taking questions that you've submitted via our website at realestateguysradio.com on the button that says Ask the Guys. And uh, we don't give tax or legal advice. In fact, we don't give any advice. We give ideas and information. But uh, with that caveat, let's get right to the questions. Number one comes from Eric in Dublin. Now, I don't know if that's Dublin, California or Dublin, Ohio or Dublin, Ireland, but he says, Would you think it'd be better for a 30-year-old first-time income property investor to buy a new construction turnkey home in Houston for $130K or something more modest like a 60 k 1990 property in Memphis? I have around 20 dollars to $30,000 to start out with. Many thanks for any insight. Appreciate it. Eric. All right, Eric. Great question. And if you're just starting an investment real estate, you have to play the compared to what game. And so there's a couple of things here you're comparing. First, you're comparing price range. Then you're comparing age of the home. And I guess finally, you're comparing markets. And so all of those things we have to look at to say compared to what?
1: Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. Houston
0: was just named the number one job creation city in the United States. Pretty good market. That's a good market. Jobs are important to tenants and they're important to landlords because when your tenant has a job, they're more likely to pay.
1: And of course, we know that Memphis was just named the highest cash flow single family market in the country. Yeah. So both great markets, Eric. So congratulations on that. You know, I think you got to do the math. Do the math and the math will tell you what to do. Twenty to 30000 might be a little light to go into a $130,000 property. Um, if you're going in with 20% down, you're going to need 25000 30000 plus you're going to need to have reserves. I think your first stop is going to be to visit with your mortgage professional and find out exactly what you would really be able to qualify for, and then you've got to sit down. Just because the company will give you the loan doesn't mean you want it. Now, lending guidelines have tightened up quite a bit, and they're a bit more responsible than they used to be, but... At the same time, you're the person that has to live with that payment when it's all said and done. So make sure you understand what the math is going to look like for you, even if you do qualify for the loan.
0: Well, and the other thing is, if you're really talking about a $60,000 property, there's many lenders that won't make a loan of that size. Many lenders, in fact, refuse to do any loan under $50,000. It's just not worth the time and hassle and paperwork for a modest fee. So it may be that that's not the right price range either. Now, if you compare the two marketplaces, Houston is much, much bigger than Memphis. Memphis is very much a blue-collar market. But Houston has a wide variety of employment, and and really, I guess both markets ha- have that. I think part of this is figuring out what your personal investment philosophy is. In Houston, if you're able to get that loan, it's going to take the vast majority of your nest egg, and you might be pretty lean to the bone in terms of cash flow. So if your investment strategy is to go into a new home where there's likely to be phased equity or upside in the appreciation of the property, that could make some sense. On the other hand, Memphis is arguably the best cash flow market in the country, according to the information about cap rates that came out earlier this year. So, you know, I, I don't think you can go wrong with either one of those markets. You absolutely have to do the math. What else, Bob?
2: Well, first of all, I like both those marketplaces, just like you do. Both those properties could be really good candidates. One of the things I'm not sure about, and that's where you are with respect to your loan approval and how well you've crunched the numbers. The uh, the Houston property at 130k definitely is stretching your budget. In addition to the down payment, you're going to need five or six K in closing costs. And the real question is this, have you had a talk with the property manager and your service providers to be sure that the income you can produce from that property is going to give you enough margin? Because it's tight. I like it. I like the idea. It may be that the Memphis property makes more sense for you considering what you've got to work
0: with. The other thing is the age of the property. If you're talking about brand new construction turnkey, meaning it's a just built home with a tenant already in it, you're going to minimize some of your expenses out of the gate, whereas a property that is 20 years or older may have more deferred maintenance. It also may be a little more expensive to keep up, but you've got a lot more margin. I mean, really, if we're talking about the numbers that, that you've put out here, it may be you could buy two houses in Memphis.
1: Yeah, and I also think the wild card is the team. You know, if you go into a marketplace and you have a chance to build relationships with a group of people that are going to take good care of you, look out for you, I'm assuming I, – I don't think Dublin is in Houston. Dublin's not in Memphis, right? So you're going to be a long-distance owner. Uh, so you're going to want to spend time building the team. So you've got to feel good about the market. you got to feel good about the team. And the numbers got to make sense.
0: Yeah, in case you're new to our show, we look at it this way. The first thing is your personal investment philosophy, who you are as an investor and what you're trying to accomplish with real estate. From there, you've got to go pick a market that can deliver that or markets and compare them. Once you've done that, got to find a team, a local team that can help you facilitate the exact purchase that you need to make. And finally, once you have your team in place, then and only then should you look at a property. Of course most real estate investors start with the property it's the wrong place to start and the property is the most interchangeable part of this so it, it as you're comparing two markets the properties are definitely going to be something you'll take a look at in terms of age and utility and so forth remaining asset life but you got to look at also the market drivers and, and the rent and who is it that's ultimately paying for the property Hopefully, that's your tenant. And I'm guessing that the cash flow numbers are going to look different in Houston than they are in Memphis. So, again, uh, do the math. The math will tell you what to do. Eric, congratulations for uh, taking the first step in investing. I think you can't go wrong. I think it's really a matter of getting in touch with your inner investor and deciding which of those markets is the best first step for you. And part of that is, as you look at personal investment philosophy, what is your level of risk are you aggressive are you conservative if you're aggressive then it's not going to bother you to have almost a hundred percent of your investment capital tied up right out of the gate in a property that may not be cash flowing as well on the other hand if you're very conservative you may be interested in the massive cash flow available on a less expensive property and either way uh congratulations on uh, taking that first step very good all right here's number two this comes from marcus in new orleans I just finished Equity Happens, and it's helped me a lot. I'm 27 years old and just bought my first property that I'm renovating. I'll move into one unit while renting out the other, and the rent from the one should pay the note and all expenses with a little extra positive cash flow. Well, that's amazing. My plan is to do a cash-out refinance after the renovation to help buy the next property. I've been talking to several real estate investors and flippers in my area, all saying the same thing. The market has become so competitive, there are no good deals anymore. In other words, you've missed the boat. I'm trying to find the areas that have the most appreciation potential. It seems that good deals are hard to find, but I don't have the experience to know what it was like five years ago. I'm trying my best to block out the negativity I hear, but it's hard when everyone has the same story. The rents in New Orleans are fantastic in my opinion. There are plenty of hospitals and colleges and more businesses are popping up. I have a good sales job, which gives me the flexibility to work on real estate on the side for now. Real estate is my passion and my goal is to do it full time in a couple of years. I'm having a hard time deciding which way to go on my next couple of properties, I've been talking with my agent about locations that he thinks will appreciate in the near future, but those properties will have very little cash flow because the cap rates are lower than other areas. I know it would be better in the long run to buy in these areas, but it would be tough to go full time with little to no positive cash flow for the next several properties. Seems like this is a popular question, but what advice do you have? Thanks in advance. All right. Well, Marcus, my goodness, there's a bunch there. First of all, you've spoken to some of the drivers you see in the marketplace and you think your rents are good. Uh, I'm going to assume that means you've done your rent surveys and you know that. Uh, we are hearing in lots of different marketplaces, however, that the market is heated up and that inventory is tight. We're seeing that in a lot of the major investment markets. And that's a great sign, but it also means that you got to sharpen your pencil. And New Orleans is a market like that where people have figured out there's upside opportunity. They are out there trying to do what you're doing, and that creates a lot of competition. So uh, the good news is you're on to good market. The uh, not-so-good news is you're not the only one.
1: Yeah, let me talk about that for just a second because uh, when I first got started in my sales career in my early 20s, I was uh, going into the marketplace, and we were in the middle of a recession. And so all the older guys were telling me how tough it was and how nobody was buying and I was too young and naive and had a newborn baby at the time. So I just went out and sold. You know, I didn't have any time to worry about all that negativity. And uh, my second year on the job, I was the number two producer in the company. And I outstripped most of the guys who were in the office busy complaining. So I love your attitude, Marcus. And uh, if you got the flexibility of your schedule, you sound like an outside sales guy. That's what I was. I think you're going to have the time and you're going to have the drive and the right attitude to hustle and find those deals that you're looking for. Uh, From that standpoint, the the fact that you can get into a place that's going to cash flow and allow you to live there basically for free ought to have a lot of extra income, meaning you could be a little bit tight on your cash flow. And if you think you might have a better appreciating market, that might end up being an okay move for you.
0: But I also think you have to get in touch with your investment philosophy again because you're talking about two different things here, Marcus. You're saying you want a market that appreciates the best, but you also recognize that a market like that probably has less cash flow, and yet you're saying you want to go full time and need the income. So, which is it? Do you need the cash flow? Is that your primary driver? Or do you want to be in the markets that appreciate the best? My experience is those are often two very different things.
2: One thing that's clear the property you identified that's the duplex that you're going to live in half of and the other half will pay it. That sounds like I'd like to have 10 of those. So, don't pass that up. If there are more and you can afford more of those, if it'll pay for itself with one tenant, it'll give you significant cash flow
0: with two. Now, Mark, as you say, I'm having a hard time deciding which way to go. And I think that's just because you have to get really clear on what your outcome is. So there are opportunities in your marketplace. And there are opportunities in other marketplaces. The advantage you have in the marketplace you know the best is that you have The local knowledge, the tribal knowledge, if you will, you know neighborhoods, you know areas, you know people, you have teams or can certainly interview teams for the job, and I think that's a great advantage. There's no real reason to jump out of your local market if your local market can... Contribute the kinds of returns that fit your investment philosophy. The reason I say to live where you want to live and invest where the numbers make sense is many of us live in markets that don't necessarily make sense from our personal investment philosophy. I might be an appreciating market where equity gain is great, but if I'm a cash flow investor, that's not what I'm after. So that's not a match. And the opposite would be true too. So I think the first thing is when you have this vision of what full time looks like. You got to go figure that out because full-time could mean buying and appreciating areas that go up fast enough to sell and create income. Income does not have to be monthly cash flow from rent overage. Income can be, I'm buying a lot of properties that go up in value, and we see right now markets around the country that are poised to double-digit inflate again, and those kind of numbers are great. In a couple of years, you'll have some equity that you can go harvest. However, you also have to be leery a little bit of this idea of being able to refinance out all the money. used to be really easy to do that. It's not as easy anymore, but it is possible you just have to get started early.
1: You know, but if you're in the business of doing the renovation, you get a chance to force the equity, so you don't really have to wait for the market. If you're going in, uh, in this case, you know, living in it, you get owner-occupied financing. That gives you a little bit of a competitive edge. And if you decide to sell the property you don't even have to worry about doing a 1031 tax-deferred exchange because as the owner-occupant, those capital gains are now tax-free.
0: Check with your CPA, but it's possible, and in fact, a strategy that used to be great in appreciating markets, if you're willing to do this, is to live in a property for two of the last five years and then sell and be able to set aside a big chunk of the gain. So you want to check with your tax professional on that, but that could really work well as a hybrid strategy in a market that's appreciating. All right. Great question, Marcus, and uh, always fun to hear about New Orleans, one of our favorite places. It's Ask the Guys today. We're doing our best to answer your questions. If you have a question for the Real Estate Guys, go to our website at realestateguysradio.com and click on Ask the Guys. That question comes to us, and then we go through the list and try to answer the ones that we think will have the most impact to the most listeners. More of your questions when we come back. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to The Real Estate Guys.
3: Find out more at RealEstateGuysRadio.com. Do you know what city was ranked number one on Clear Capital's list of highest performing metro markets just this February? It was Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with Georgia Residential Partners. If you haven't heard, Atlanta has just begun an incredible road to recovering real estate values. With an unprecedented demand from investors, in a shrinking supply of inventory, properties in the Atlanta market are poised for tremendous growth over the next few years. At Georgia Residential Partners, our mission is to help as many investors as possible buy turnkey cash flowing properties in the Atlanta metro area with as little headache as possible. With conventional and non conventional financing available, we can help just about any investor in any number of situations buy residential properties in this market. Check us out online at gainvesting.com or call our office at 770-924-5450. Don't let this window of opportunity pass you by.
1: It's safe to say that most of us could make a better cheeseburger than McDonald's. Pull up Google for the best recipe, buy the meat, fire up the grill, voila. But there are only a handful of people that have created a business model and system like theirs. McDonald's is successful because of their system, not their food. The Infinite Banking Concept is one of the best financial systems that has ever existed.
4: It helps start the Pampered Chef, JCPenney, and Disney World,
1: plus thousands of other businesses. Learn more about the Infinite Banking Concept from our friends at Paradigm Life today by visiting www.beyourbank.com
4: or by calling one 800 870
5: Eight six seven zero.
0: Hello, Robert Kiyosaki. Listen to The Real Estate Guys. They're wild and crazy, but they really know what they're talking about. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, the number one downloader podcast on real estate investing. It's your questions today and our answers. Ask the guys who love to do this. Oh, every 8 to 10 weeks, and uh, just great questions from listeners. We have great listeners. Uh, This one comes from Dustin. He's in Dallas, Texas. Guys, I'd like to get involved in commercial apartment real estate investing, but I'm not sure the best way to do it. It seems most clubs want thousands of dollars to work with and mentor you. Is that the only quick and successful way into the business? Thanks for pointing me in the right direction, Dustin. All right, well, that is a whole can of worms, and uh, in Dallas, there are many of these clubs, a lot of investment clubs out there that have varying levels of membership and benefits. Some simply meet informally, some are very structured, some are very expensive, and you really have to get at what expertise do they have and what are you going to get in exchange for whatever time and money that you spend. So first of all, I'll tell you this, commercial apartment investing is not for the beginner. Very few people start out with 200 units. Right, We had Ken McElroy on our Summit at Sea on a panel with you, Bob, and with Tom Wheelwright, and with Kim Kiyosaki, and the whole panel was about making the jump from single family to multifamily. And what we discovered about every single person on our panel is they all started with a two-bedroom unit. That includes Kim Kiyosaki, that includes Ken McElroy, that includes the godfather of real estate, small residential units, and then little by little by little built up. So, if you are of the rare mindset and ability to jump into commercial, then possibly the best money you could ever spend would be to get mentored by someone who is really doing it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of eight-year-old little kids out there playing Pop Warner football that want to play in the NFL, but they have to go through a progression. That's an important part of your development. The good news is that you don't have to wait to physically grow and develop or change somehow. You just have to uh, adapt the attitudes, habits, beliefs, And uh, gain the knowledge. And so, yeah, Robert, I agree with you 100%. If you want to take the short path, then sometimes that could be the best money. It's why people pay for a college education, right? Theoretically, anyway, they learn a lot faster. They uh, graduate four years later than people who go to work right out of high school, but they presumably have an education that gives them a bit of a competitive edge. Now, I don't know. You know, I've been kind of a fan of just getting out there and learning by doing. I'm a big fan of mentoring and mentorship and the idea of being an apprentice to somebody. Now, you may not have to pay to get that, right? You can, you can volunteer to help a guy. Uh, you can trade time for uh, access. There's a lot of ways to do that if you're creative. It all comes down to relationships. And so if I'm you, I'm, I'm going to go hang out where I can find people that are in the business. I'm going to make myself available. There's a lot of commercial brokers out there that love to have you young, eager guy out there helping them out, just doing busy work just to be in the environment. It's a great way to learn. Uh, and then uh, and then when you make a little bit of money, maybe doing some smaller deals, building up your resume, you can invest some money with an experienced guy who's doing a bigger project. Now you get to put that on your resume. Hey, I'm an investor in this project. My partners and I have done this and that. And then at that point, now you've built your resume up. You've built your relationships up. you built your experience up. Now you're ready to go take on a commercial loan and do something on your own.
0: So, one of the resources Russ mentions is a great one. And, Bob, I know you'll speak to this commercial real estate brokers, guys and gals that broker apartment buildings. And for some reason, it's mostly guys. It's just my experience around the country. It's mostly guys. They have a very different attitude and skill set and often database than a residential real estate agent. What a residential real estate is going to primarily rely on the multiple listing service in their area. Apartments don't work like that. Apartments are very proprietary and those brokers can be an excellent resource for learning. But if you'll take it the next step, which is to go in and say, how can I be of help to someone like that? That can be huge.
2: It depends a lot on exactly where you decide to begin. Uh, Most commercial brokers are not dealing with small intermediate properties. They're dealing with big properties. They can specialize in different areas. For example, there are commercial brokers who actually spend most of their time helping people buy and sell property. There are others who spend their entire career helping people lease property. So the real objective here in any rental property is for you to learn how to operate it, to manage it, to minimize the vacancies, to minimize turnovers, to make it flow smoothly and produce the cash flow that you want because that's what allows you to keep it by making the payments. I'm
0: going to give you another resource. That is your local apartment association. A lot of great apartment associations around the country. And not only are they great resources in terms of member benefits and so forth, but they often have a magazine or a newsletter they publish or a website where there's a lot of great information. You'll see the folks who are advertising in those magazines month after month after month are generally big players in the industry as well. Now, I see you're from Dallas just so happens we have a couple of really great brokers in Dallas. Don't know if you're interested in that market or another market. In many of the markets we go into, the first guy I look for is a great commercial broker. We were just in Memphis a couple of weeks ago. We have an excellent commercial broker who comes and speaks to the group. He's like got 40% market share in all of Memphis for B&C class properties. So that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the guy or gal out there that really, really knows the marketplace. But to Bob's point, they're just not going to sit around for two hours and have a meeting with you You've got to, I mean, most of these folks are very particular about who they do business with and you have to get yourself into that relationship. So one more idea, and, and Russ said this, I want to make sure you're clear about it. A great way to get into apartment investing is to put some money in with someone who's buying an apartment building, right? friend of ours just did this. He put up the money in a deal for a whole bunch of units and that's part of what he's getting is the education. His partners got a lot of experience in turning apartments, rehabbing apartments, owning apartments, he doesn't have all that experience so he's able to come in and and leverage the dollars that he has and he's soaking up the information like a sponge so a lot of uh, a lot of ways to get into it I think that you'll find that commercial apartment real estate is a very lucrative field but it takes a long time to learn and it's a little more difficult than straight residential but certainly wouldn't dissuade you from it Uh, go out there and get educated The, the final thing is just this you get what you pay for So in many ways, I would look at these clubs that you're considering and just see. Make sure you get references. But if you meet four or five guys or gals who have been in a club who say, yeah, I spent the money, but my goodness, look what's happened to me, then that might be worth it. On the other hand, there's a lot of folks out there that can't seem to make any money in real estate, so they're out trying to teach real estate for thousands of dollars. So with love education. You will always be served by investing in your mind. Just make sure that it leads to getting you into deals. Our motto with the Real Estate Guys for many, many years has been education for effective action. If it's education that leads to action, the cost could be well worth it. So there you go, Dustin in Dallas. Number next, this is a Real Estate Guys first. We're now up to more than 170 countries, and this comes from Daniel in Baku, Azerbaijan, which, as you know, is on the Caspian Sea. (laughs) And uh, my goodness, here's his question. Thank you guys for the incredible amount of information that you've developed and made available on the show and online. I'm a recent college graduate living and working in Baku, Azerbaijan, if I'm saying that correctly. I've witnessed an incredible amount of real estate development both here but around the world as well. And it's made me wonder, how do I get involved? Since the fastest growing economies are outside the U.S., how do you identify, network, and invest in international real estate Thank you for all you do, and I look forward to meeting you in the future. <sighs> we just were back, who man? I wish you had gotten to this a little earlier. No, no, this is a this is great, Daniel, and and thanks for listening from so far away. And uh, there's some great stuff here. In fact, we alluded to your question on last week's show when we were in Belize as we were getting ready for Ask the Guys and looking at these questions, and going, what a what a great question this is from so many places. First of all, for those of you that don't know, this region of the world is very oil rich, and there's a lot of construction going on. So if you're Daniel, you're looking around, going, man, stuff is happening, and we'll Construction happens by the very nature of it, profit is made. Builders don't build, they don't acquire property and and add materials and labor unless they can create profit. And so when you see a lot of building going on, you can make the assumption that someone's making money. Now, it doesn't mean it goes on forever. Just witness Miami, Florida, or Las Vegas, Nevada, both cities that have bounced back, by the way. But all right, so let's talk about this. This is such a, a great question. How do you get involved with international real estate? I think. One could easily make the argument that the fastest growing real estate markets, not just economies, are not in the United States, even though the U.S. is doing pretty well right now. So if you look at any type of real estate investing, people tend to stick with what they know. For example, most beginning real estate investors invest in a house or a duplex. Something they understand. They understand living in a property. They understand rent collection and so forth. So if you're looking into other marketplaces that are international in nature, how comfortable are you with that? With the basis of law? With the language that the contracts are in? With the types of ways that services are brought to market, which vary right across the board? But I'll tell you what, the number one answer I think to this question is it's a relationship business. It's about who you know.
1: Absolutely. You know, the first thing you want to do is get plugged into whatever culture, whatever it is you're interested in. You want to get plugged into the people that are in there. So you're already living and working there, which is fabulous. Now, the next thing to do is begin to go out and tour some of the real estate developments, talk to people who are there. If they have showrooms, those people are there to tell you all about it. So, you know, what I do when I go to a trade show is I walk up to someone, I smile, I say, tell me all about it. And then I just stand there and listen. And they go and they go and they go and they go. And if they ask me a question, I say, well, you know, I'm an investor and I'm very interested in this particular part of the world or this particular product type. And I just want to gain as much information as I can. Do you have any recommendations where I can get additional information, additional resources? And once you go down that path, it's real short. I mean, it doesn't take long before you start finding out who the players are. Uh, If you can get plugged into the publications, the newsletters, you'll see people, like you mentioned earlier, Robert, the people who are in this space will advertise, holding themselves out. Uh, Because of the Internet, obviously people have websites. A lot of people in the business use education as a way to generate leads. And so, you know, you always have to be mindful of what someone's agenda is when they're providing you education. But with that said, there's a lot of good stuff out there. So
0: that that would be a natural place to start. Absolutely. And it's kind of like back to one of the earlier questions was, the team is so important. If I'm going into a country I'm not familiar with, then the team is even that much more important. So you want to make sure that you understand not only what their agenda is, but what is their experience, their track record, what's the opportunity there. I think as a college graduate, there's no reason why you, you can't go around and continue to just do what college students do. You're gathering information. You're doing a research report, right? You will sometimes find that people will open up more to you as somebody who is in education or recently you know, out of college than to someone who is perceived as a threat or perceived as a potential competitor or any of that. So it's a huge topic, but I think really you start with who you are as an investor and what you're trying to accomplish and then figure out what am I looking for in a market? Am I really looking for an opportunity where I'm seeing values go up and up and up? If it's new construction, phased equity is a great thing to consider as a real estate investor, or maybe you're just looking to be where somebody else isn't. There's a lot of what we call emerging markets, markets that are untapped, undiscovered, where there's great opportunity. Now, if you go about that right, pretty soon your emerging market, your undiscovered market becomes very discovered, and you have to go find a new one.
1: I think one thing that is really important is that it's even less at the beginning about the real estate than it is about the market, and so you're going to be able to find information. Find out who the major companies are who are there. If, they have, uh, if they're public companies, see if you can get a copy of an annual report. Find out why they chose that particular area of the world to be located. Uh, If there's big developers in there, especially people that have come in from uh, out of town, uh, find out who they are. If they're publicly traded companies, again, you're going to be able to find a lot of information about why they chose this particular market and what their prognosis is. When we go into markets, we look for whatever the equivalent would be of a chamber of commerce or somebody whose job it is to recruit industry to that particular geography. They often can tell you a lot about what's going on. And I'll just give you one other little word of caution. You know, we watch Dubai just go crazy. And the thing is, a lot of that was being funded. It was artificial infrastructure. Some guy with a ton of money just decided, hey, I want to create this thing out of nothing and drove it. And just because buildings are going up doesn't mean that there's really something substantial economically underneath it. So we we always talk about this, and I want to reiterate it, even in that part of the world, even more so. Make sure you understand where the money to do all this construction is coming from, what is driving the local economy, and is it really driven by people who are going to occupy and use that real estate? Because at the end of the day, as an investor, it's about supply and demand and capacity to pay.
0: It's Ask the Guys today. We're taking your questions on our website at realestateguysradio.com. Click the button that says Ask the Guys. More of your questions when we come back. Plus, we'll play Real Estate Trivia next, right here on the Real Estate Guys radio program.
5: Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at
0: realestateguysradio.com. The votes are in and this year's Investor Summit at Sea was a massive hit. Summiteers called it life-changing, far beyond expectations, which were very high, and the best summit yet. If you missed the boat this year, then make plans to join us in 2014. You'll spend an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals, and you'll have a blast. Join the Real Estate Guys for the 12th Annual Investor Summit. It all begins March 8, 2014 in Houston, Texas. Visit Real Estate Guys Radio and click the tab that says Summit to sign up for the advanced notice list. You'll get all the details the minute they get released so you can reserve your spot. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit and make plans to spend a week with the Real Estate Guys and an all-star faculty on the 12th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the real estate guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. And while U.S. real estate continues to drop, Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come.
4: Hi, this is Lawrence Yeun, Chief Economist with National Association of Realtors, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys.
0: Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Hey, tell a friend about The Real Estate Guys, because even though we just had a record month in downloads, next month could be another record. So make sure you spread the word. Hey, we're taking your questions today. It's Ask the Guys. Before we get to our next question, it's time for us to ask you a question. It's Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a fabulous prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question. In just a moment, I'm going to give you that question. And as soon as you think you know the answer or want to take an educated guess, then send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name and mailing address because if you win, we're going to send you A physical copy of The Social Capitalist, a great book by Josh and Lisa Lannan, Rich Dad Advisors. You're going to love this book, and a copy can be yours if you know today's real estate trivia question. Before I give you that, though, last week on the show, we were in beautiful Belize, and we asked this. Belize is bordered by what other two countries? The answer, Mexico and Guatemala. All right, so here's our real estate trivia question for this week. Which U.S. state has the most recreational boats per capita? yep one state in the u.s has more boats boat owners owners of recreational boats per capita than any other and i don't know if this is going to be a hint or not but i'll tell you it's basically one recreational boat per every six people in this state so what state is that if you know or want to take a guess send it to us quickly at trivia at realestateguysradio.com that's trivia at realestateguysradio.com if you're the winner You'll get a copy of the Social Capitalist, a great book on entrepreneurism in the new age of enlightenment. It's uh, by Josh and Lisa Lannon, and that can be yours. That's today's real estate trivia question. Speaking of questions, it's Ask the Guys. Lots of great questions are coming in. We appreciate that. If you have a question for the real estate guys, here's what you do. Go to our website at realestateguysradio.com and click on Ask the Guys. Now, every now and then, we answer one personally. I saw you were doing that recently, uh, Godfather. Uh, But we don't promise to answer your questions Uh, personally. We do our best to answer the ones on the air. If we don't get to your question, so sorry for that. We are getting more questions uh, than we have time for, but uh, we're increasing the frequency of the Ask the Guys show, too. This next question comes from Terry in Santa Cruz, California. I'm halfway through your book, Equity Happens. The little voice in my head keeps reminding me that your book was published in 2006 before the 2008 real estate reality check and readjustments to the real estate and financial markets. In hindsight of these events, are there any additions, advice, or updates you can make to help the reader in the post-2008 era? Keep up a good work. Much appreciated, Terry. What an insightful and great question that is. And I think we'll start with the gentleman who just finished reading Equity Happens for the umpteenth time, and we'll tell you why in a minute. But uh, Bob, you've just read the entire book.
2: I have, and you know what my conclusion is? It's a very good book. It's absolutely meaningful and useful today because it doesn't dwell on the specific conditions of what the market was like five or six years ago. It really talks about how do you operate in any kind of a market. So the principles are the same. The strategies will change depending on what it takes to make it happen today. Yeah, I did get to read the book again. I got to read it about 25 times when the guys wrote it. In fact, uh, I didn't write any of the book. I wrote the foreword to the book. And uh, I've been with that book for a long time. I think it's got great value. One of the things I've done is I'm doing some coaching, and I talk to people all the time who are reading the book, who are coming back to me with good questions. And uh, I commend you. If you're halfway through, finish it up. And you'll have some more questions for us, I bet.
0: Yeah, we, we stand behind everything we wrote in that book. And uh, I think that uh, you have to take any book in context. When was it written, right? If you're reading a book about gold or about stocks or any of that, you got to go back and see when was it written because the markets do change. But most of the book, frankly, is about mindset. is about getting your head together as a real estate investor, not about specific strategies and techniques. There's a few things that don't work like they used to, like the free duplex story, borrowing money out of properties to buy more property. Again, that's coming back now. But for the most part... You're not going to find that there's any glaring omissions in the book. We certainly talk about real estate markets can and do go down in value. However, I will tell you this as far as updates to make it easier, we are in the middle of updating that very book. And uh, there's two reasons for that. Number one, there's a few things that I think we'd like to add some insight that having been through the last six years, we can definitely add to, to the book. Not that it needs to be any bigger. Uh, and then two, we're out, we're out of books. So you may have noticed, if you're a clever Real Estate Guys listener, that we've not been giving away Equity Happens as our trivia prize for many, many weeks. That's because we are basically out. Amazon just ordered the last case of books that we have. There's only a few left in our possession right now, and so it's going to take some time. So I'm glad you have a copy of the book, Terry. Uh, We really don't want to talk about the book too much, because if you go to the site and order it, you're going to be frustrated by not getting it right away. But we're definitely going to get the book slightly updated, revised, and we'll have that out uh, before the end of the year. So thanks for uh, reading it and thanks for your question. It's a good one. You know, I have a related question here. This comes from Trey in Phoenix, Arizona. Why can't I buy Equity it Happens for Kindle? Why is it only available in hardback? Will this change soon? I plan on getting into real estate and just start listening to your program. Your book has great reviews. I plan on purchasing either way, but would much rather purchase on Kindle. I devour books on Kindle, but takes weeks to read otherwise. All right. Well, we're definitely looking into that. And I don't know. We can't give you a date. We can't give you a time. We can't even give you with clarity uh, when. win, but we can tell you for sure you're not going to be able to buy one if you don't already have one so but i mean you'll get one it's just going to take a little bit of time even more time so i like you trey wish we had it available on the nook and on kindle and an ipad and that is all coming but uh, it's just not here yet but we hear you loud and clear so thanks for that it's ask the guys today we're taking your questions doing our best to answer This next question comes from a listener who we've answered several questions of, but he's a great guy and he has good questions. It's Keith in Anchorage, Alaska. He says, I might be your sole listener whom regularly downloads your podcast at home then listens to it while cross-country skiing in Alaska in the dark by myself. All right, Keith. Well, certainly you're in the top 10 of people that fit that he,
1: He's so proud of being a real estate guy's listener.
0: <laughs> Good work, Keith. Good and work. I wear a disguise. And if someone asks me what yeah. I'm listening to, I say MC Hammer. All right, shortly, I'll be 1031 exchanging into an 11-unit and 8-unit residential building here in beautiful Anchorage. Right on. Uh, is it to my advantage to share these buildings' projected A-pods with my property manager to be Any other tips on the crucial owner-manager relationship? Thanks, Keith. Well, as always, Keith. Great, insightful question. An APOD is an annual property operating data sheet. It is the master sheet where we accumulate all of our numbers. You can do that through a spreadsheet. You can do that through many real estate programs out there or the old-fashioned godfather way, just write out the old APOD. And we'll all give our opinion here, but I think you have absolutely nothing to lose by sharing that with your property manager. In fact, it's a way to get clear on your expectations and the reality check of whether or not they can deliver.
2: Absolutely. It is a very, very useful tool. We use them all the time with all properties. What we like about it is it's a quick look. You can get a a quick overview of the property with most of the details, including current financing available. What you really want to know is how does the property operate? The one thing you'll see, we often get uh, APODs as part of a pro forma to tell you how a property will operate. So make sure that the data you've got isn't somebody's guesstimate if you're relying upon the data. Now your question was, should I share this with my property manager? And the answer is absolutely yes, or my real estate agent.
0: Well, I think there's two things here, Bob, you bring up a good point. Many times we get the initial pod from the listing broker, yes, you want to share that with your property manager, just another set of eyes to say, oh, this guy's crazy, or yeah, this seems reasonable. And then if you're talking about putting together your own APOD, which we would strongly recommend as well, then share that with the property manager. You want the kind of manager on your team that's going to be honest and going to be transparent and going to tell you straight to your face, dude, these numbers aren't aren't going to work. And that's what you're looking for. So I don't see any reason to hold that information back.
1: I totally agree. I mean, we always say all the time, do the math and the math will tell you what to do. But that presupposes that you have accurate numbers. The person who's in the best position to tell you if the numbers you're looking at make sense is the guy that eats, drinks, lives, breathes in that space every day. He'll know if the property tax is off. He'll know, especially if things like the maintenance expenses are off. Uh, He'll know all the little things that uh, you may or may not know. And to me, you do this doing your due diligence period. I mean, you do it before you even close the contract. Now, if you're concerned uh, about, you know, disclosing that you're looking at the property, you can always have the guy sign a non-disclosure. I mean, these people are professionals, but you ought to have your tax person taking a look at the deal. You're going to have your real estate finance person looking at the deal. Uh, You may want to have your real estate attorney look at the deal at some point. You're certainly going to want to get your property manager involved because if the numbers don't make sense, then you're not going to want to spend any more time or money on it.
0: Now, I'll tell you this. There is maybe a different standard of practice across the board between attorneys and accountants and property managers. I wish there wasn't. A great property manager is worth the weight in gold, but i tell you what, we have warts on our lips from kissing frogs in the property management space. I know of an actual case where a guy brought a package to a property manager and that guy went around his back and bought it in Las Vegas in 2002. So, just be careful giving them the apod doesn't mean you gave the address right so if if it's a new relationship i I would test the water a little bit and you always want to get referrals when it comes to that find out if they really know their stuff any other tips on the crucial owner manager relationship just a ton russ has a million dollar question that he tells people on the field trips about what you should ask your property manager so next field trip make sure you mention that again russ (laughs) <laughs> no, let's go let's go let's go ahead and give it. This is this is a nugget here. This is one of the greatest questions you can ask a potential property manager.
1: Well the concept behind it is that you want to align your financial interests with the financial interests of the asset manager or the property manager. And you have to understand what his business is. His business is making a piece of the cash flow. So your question to him is, Mr. Property Manager, what can I put in your portfolio that's gonna make you a ton of money? Because you know that if he makes a lot of money on his property management fee, you're going to make a bunch of money on the income of the property. If you hand him a dog, if you hand him a problem that he's got to try to fix, he's going to spend a bunch of time. He may have to charge a higher fee than he normally would charge, maybe to try to make you go away. And if Whereas if you give him something he really wants in his portfolio and really would enjoy managing, he's probably going to give you his best competitive rate because he wants it. More than anything, you've told him, I care about you, I care about your success, and based on the law of reciprocity, he's probably going to care more about you and your success too.
0: You're going to put a couple of buildings into someone's portfolio, a couple of additional buildings. And I'm guessing, Keith, because you send us a question at least once a month, you're not stopping here. So act as though you are approaching the relationship as a long-term relationship where you're going to put more and more and more in this person's portfolio and see if they they pass the test. Right? That's that's the, the deal. And then the other part of it is trust but verify get in the relationship see how it goes and have some metrics and then test those as you go and i'll tell you what most cases where we end up with a great manager it wasn't the first manager we have to to move around our team every now and then, and for whatever reason property management is just a tough business to be in and if you find a great manager keep them keep them keep them it's ask the guys today your questions our answers more when we come back this is the real estate guys radio program i'm your host robert helms
5: Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com.
0: Here's a real estate trivia question for you. What does Elvis Presley's famous mansion, Graceland, and affordable positive cash flow turnkey real estate investing have in common? Memphis. Memphis, Tennessee is home to both Graceland and Terry Kerr's Mid-South home buyers. Terry specializes in trouble-free turnkey rental properties. Turnkey means Terry finds, fixes, rents, and manages the property, so all you have to do is put it in your portfolio and collect the checks. It's plug and play. That's music to my ears. Call Terry and his team at Mid-South Home Buyers at 888-510-6838, extension 118, or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com.
5: Hi, I'm Steve Forbes. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Listen up.
0: Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning in. this last call. If you want to join Russell Gray at the whole loan training happening in Newport Beach, June 15th. That's right around the corner. we got lots of listeners coming to that. So check it out on our website at realestateguysradio.com. Click on events. It's not a Real Estate Guys event, but uh, we had Mike Solis, the uh, promoter of the event, on our show. It seems like a great guy, really neat uh, subject material. Uh, you'll find out all the information on our website. It's Ask the Guys today. Your questions, are answers. The next one comes from Jesse in Morgan Hill, California. A lot of California listeners, radio listeners. We had a gentleman on our last Memphis field trip that was not a podcast listener. He was a radio listener. So we're still on the radio after all these years, and we still have radio listeners. Hey, guys, it's me, the 17-year-old guy. Why do most real estate investors use an LLC? What are the advantages versus a C or an S Corp? All right, so we have this great uh, listener who's 17 years old. Man, I wish I had not waited to invest in real estate until I was 24. A 17, way to go, man. So so let's talk about that. There, we could give you the full on show version, and you probably want to go back and hear the interview we did with Garrett Sutton about this. But the short version is that we use an LLC as a legal entity for many asset protection reasons.
1: The property itself is a liability producing machine. If something goes wrong, they are going to go to the owner. You want to make sure that's not you. The owner is going to be the entity, the LLC. It's why most businesses are set up that way. So an LLC is easier from an administrative standpoint than a corporation. The question about C or S is really just a matter of tax. And LLCs typically, and they don't have to be, but they're typically passed through, which means that it doesn't pay tax. Its tax liability passes through to the owner. And the same is true with really with an S corporation. So a C corporation means it's going to pay its own corporate tax. And then when the owner takes his profits, he's going to get taxed again. They call that double taxation. Those are the differences. Most people use an LLC Um, And the other big advantage is also a tax advantage is when you sell a property in an LLC, it's treated very differently than when you sell it out of a corporation from a tax point of view. So it has to do with asset protection, it has to do with tax, and to a degree it has to do with privacy because your name is not on the paperwork.
0: A C-corporation, you also have a retained earning issue, which you want to check out with your tax professional. And then the big other benefit of an LLC is the charging order protection. So just you can find out about that. It's easy to find that information, again, If you go to Corporate Direct, Garrett Sutton's company, you can find out all about the charging order, but that's a big protection of LLC. There are a couple of states where it still makes sense to consider other entities, but overall, the LLC is a very proven vehicle, so great question. I think our last question for the day, unfortunately, lots of good questions here, but here's our last one. This comes from John in Santa Rosa, California as well, (laughs) radio listener, I'm guessing. Hey, really appreciate you guys. My question is interpreting cap rate in the context of leverage. Is it correct to assume that if cap rate is your return on investment if you paid all cash, that any money you borrow at a rate that is lower than the cap rate would effectively increase your yield? Is this not an example of arbitrage? Please talk about what using leverage does to cap rate. Thank you very much. Well, John, that is a very insightful question. The answer is yes. All right, next week on the show. No, no, so so this is exactly right, right? Cap rate does not take into consideration debt service. Cap rate is the performance, the financial performance of a property based on income and expenses without considering debt service. So if Russ and Bob each own a similar building but at the same time in the same area, they bought at the same time, they have the same expenses, one has a loan, what one doesn't, they may have the same cap rate but their overall performance will not be the same. Leverage does magnify return and if you can get... A interest rate that's lower than cap rate. That is an example of arbitrage. And it's also a way to increase your yield. It is also not the end-all be-all because, as we know, leverage is a two-way street.
1: It absolutely is a 2 edged street because it ties you into that property and it gives you a ticking time bomb if you ever need to get out of the property and you have negative equity. But with that said, we love leverage. Absolutely. So yeah, cap rate has nothing to do with your cash-on-cash return directly because that'll be, a, be dictated by the amount of debt and debt services you have on the property. So uh, cap rate gives investors the opportunity to compare property to property to property without having to deal with how they might structure the deal what cap rate will tell you is how much debt you can put on the property reasonably and so it does affect your cash on cash return but not your cap rate
0: all right thanks for all the great questions today we're going to do another ask the guys show in the near future so get to the website if you have a question realestateguysradio.com click on the button that says ask the guys it's so important to us it has its own button on our website so ask the guys that's the way of fire away and get your information to the real estate guys and uh, we love to answer your questions And don't forget, August 23rd and 24th, it's the Secrets of Successful Syndication, a now two-day event on putting together bigger deals and making bigger profits. We've got an all-star cast. It's going to be a ton of fun, and it happens in August in the middle of Phoenix, so it is going to be a hot seminar.
1: You notice that we promote our own events, and we also promote other people's events. And the main thing we promote is going to events. Get out there, meet people, get in the environment. Get the knowledge and also be focused. There's You can't – I just – maybe I'm old school, but I just can't get the level of focus sitting at a webinar or watching a video that I can get when I'm in a room, listening to a speaker, watching a presentation, and then interacting with people at the breaks and afterwards. So we're giving you tons and tons of ideas and opportunities to do that. Come out to these events. Come hang out with Kenny McElroy and uh, Tom Realwright in uh, in Phoenix, Arizona in August. Come to the Whole Loan Training Seminar and visit with me – June 15th.
0: It's education for effective action. Hey, make sure whatever you do, you're out there doing the thing and taking action because 20 years from now, it'll be 20 years from now, whether you do anything about it or not. Until next week's show, God, make some equity happen.
5: This episode of the Real Estate Guys radio show is brought to you by Paradigm Life, powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton.